Some said they couldn't do it. Even more said <laughs> they probably shouldn't. But here they are, bringing you another episode of the Happy Zen Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Adam and Matt. So what did you do today? I went to work and was defeated. How about yourself? I went to work, but I was not defeated. Excellent. So I had a pretty cool day. Do tell well, on this latest episode of the Happy Zen Podcast. You know when people make fun of each other for organic ad reads? I almost felt like I needed to make fun of you for that. <laughs> Anyways, pretty cool stuff today. So we'll have to share this. Um, Man, are you having a hard time in the bedroom? No, sorry. That's not organic at all. Go on. Train of thought derailed. Yeah. Uh, no. So back in the summer, I had an opportunity I shared with you that I could not take. And the Canadian Armed Forces, or in this case, Canadian Navy, uh, and the Canadian Air Force actually all gave me an opportunity. I could go to one of their facilities. So the Air Force, I could, I could have went to Trenton for a few days and they put you up in like the officer's quarters and they give you like the full experience of what it's like to be in the Air Force. And they do stuff like take you up on a helicopter or Hercules and they take you around the officer quarters and actually show you the different careers that exist inside the military because there's tons of them, right? Or I could have went to British Columbia for the Canadian Naval Base and same idea. They put you up there in the officer's thing and they do all that. So unfortunately for me, um, my job didn't have the availability and I couldn't get my vacation to be shifted around because I already had it booked to go to England. And so once you kind of book something like that, you can't move it. Anyways, they were still thinking of me and they sent me an email and offered me uh, a chance to hop on the HMCS uh, St. John's today. Which is? A Canadian Navy frigate. And so I went down in Toronto. Uh, it was docked in the Toronto Harbor, which I will comment was kind of cool because I go down, parked at Humber College down on Lakeshore. Uh, for those that know Toronto, it's right by the water. And it was funny because I had a moment where I got out and I thought, okay, where do I go now? It's a boat. Just go to the water. You just look for the larger yeah. boat? Yeah. So once I got to the part where the water was and there's this giant, massive freaking ship, I'm like, oh, that's the ship. And it's way bigger than I thought it would be. It's probably like two and a half, three city blocks. So anyways, we... Uh, if you're getting kind of your car down there and you don't know where the lake is? It wasn't that. It's like you had this weird thought where you expected to be registered somewhere first. And oh, then okay. why, he's like, they have a fucking ship. Why well, would you be registered anywhere else but the ship? And then... Did they like have to check credentials or anything? I guess when you so, got on the boat, right? Well, no. Actually, no? my credentials were never checked at all during okay. the day. <laughs> I was going to say, i just going to say... Long story short, I'm if you don't say, see that boat again... I just randomly walked on a boat <laughs> and was there the whole time. Right. And I'm going to say... There's live ammunition on this boat, <laughs> needless to say. But the thing is... So I, we brought some here today yeah. to talk about. Yeah, I have a missile. No. Um, Sweet. I uh, No, it was it was for people that did um, like engagement with high school kids and like the next generation of workers and the workforce and stuff. So there were people on the boat from the military who actually knew who I was. was. So it didn't take long for people to identify you. So that wasn't much of an issue. Uh, but anyways, got on the boat. And like a few things. One, I forgot about how cold it is when you go out in the water in the fall. And uh, I was dressed relatively warm, but question the entire first half hour waiting to leave was, is this going to be warm enough? The end of this week is November. So effing, fall is effing cold. becoming a stretch. Yeah. 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 And I had layers on. And then I saw people show up like the late, uh, lady from Global News did a whole spot on there today. And she showed up in like a skirt and a shawl. I'm like, well, no matter what happens, she's getting hypothermia first. So she's I was used right. to it. Yeah. And you can tell she's uncomfortable. It's funny. Uh, it, I'm seriously, I don't know what they take to start their day the way they do, but they were wired. Uh, anyways, pretty cool. Definitely so, not cocaine. So some different, def, definitely some not different cocaine. In, influencers and shit came out there that, and we got to basically go on this boat and, uh, it pulled off, went out on Lake Ontario and wait, you were on it when it went out in the yeah, lake? Yeah, it took us out. 
So it took us out of Lake Ontario. Okay. It got up to, hold on, this is really cool. So the boats are not as wide as I suspected something that large to be, right? So we were up on like, I guess some of the higher um, uh, catwalks and stuff that take their way up basically the height of where the bridge would be. And we were going 35 knots, was it? So 35 knots, which I think is like 50 kilometers an hour or something like that. A knot is a mile per hour. Okay. Okay. So we were going like, you know, 40, 50, somewhere around that range kilometers an hour, which is pretty fast on water. And it just did a hard right. And this thing tipped like almost 30 fucking degrees to the point where you're like on the catwalk going, holy shit. Did anybody like slip or anything? Like, Oh yeah. People wiping out. It was awesome. awesome. Totally. Like a catastrophe was about to happen. Um, and then they did, they showed us how they do a rescue. So they took a dummy and just tossed off the boat while they're going like 15 knots. And then they have, okay. Cause I'm like a rescue. Like this doesn't seem like a rescue ship, but it's a rescue. If somebody was to yeah, fall off that ship, hundred percent. Right. Okay. And so they have to be able to perform a rescue in under five minutes because after hypothermia, at six minutes, they're dead. At six minutes, Is there they're like dead. dinghies on this thing. Yep. So um, I sent you some pictures and we can share it um, with the episode. And so they have like the, um, what are they called? Those, they have a name. Mm-hmm. Those hard f- boats that are already full. They look like the, the blow up boats, but they're not a blow up boat. They're already hard. Yeah, yeah. There's the name for them. Fuck you. You know the name. And you're looking at me like, you no, know no. the name. I Go on. And they said the thing a million times today. And this pisses me off. But anyways. They so they have a littler boat. It's not, yeah, it's a smaller boat. Okay. Anyways, these two guys jump in it, and they just basically crane it right off pneumatically, drop it down on the water, pretty controlled, zip the damn thing out. Uh, and how they approach the body is significant with the wind and everything. So it's it's like if you ever tried to pick something up in a well, boat. if it's already a body, it's like, well, we're just going to assume yeah, yeah. the person is so, not alive. But it's funny because you know how like if you're in a boat and anyone's been in a boat and share the story that you try to go with a boat to pick something up in the water and like by the time you've navigated the boat, yeah, the thing's yeah. like 30 you're feet away. Current, it's yeah. gone, right? And the way they just navigated this boat, they just picked it up like it was absolutely easy as possibly could be. So it's gone, right? Came back, they did the whole thing. It was like just under five minutes, like two seconds to spare or something. And so, and the way how fast they get everything up into medical treatment is like so refreshing. Like these are just pros, right? So watching this was really cool. Then they uh, said, okay, we're going to do, uh, they did a big, a big figure eight on Lake Ontario with a frigate. And I'm saying a tight figure eight at like 15, 17 knots. So the boat was just 30 degrees one way, 30 degrees the other way. And like to the point where your centrifugal force was pushing you against the wall of the boat and you're going, holy shit, this is insane. So apparently like the prop system on the bottom of this thing, it's a continual prop system, the way it always moves and they can do a hard stop. So they put the thing up to speed and did a complete hard stop. It stops in one length of the entire ship. Dead fucking still what, stop. Like flip itself in reverse? To, yep, they, to can just turn, they can just turn. Was and, there anybody else in the water near you guys? Like I'd be worried like no. you're out there in like a little dinghy or something and you see this frigate so come by and we're, swing. So we're walking and talking to all these different, you know, personnel through the ship, which is just, was so cool. The, the, honestly, Canadian Armed Forces, you're cool people, man. Um, funny conversations. The, the, the captain and all the different people that were over the mics and the microphone and the PA system talking to us all day. Absolute great sense of humor. Like things like they did the life vest thing and they're like, we're pretty sure we've got enough for all of you, but we haven't head counted. So, you know, we'll figure it out. Like and they end it with that. Like they're just, they had a great sense of humor, right? So they're taking us through everything and like they're filling us in. Um, and sorry, what did you ask me again? Was I didn't it? ask anything. You did. You, you said something about, did they? Oh, I was asking if it, what, like, was there anybody else in the water? No, no. So someone said to me in front of one of the, the staff that was there, one of the, the seamen, um, was, oh, I wonder if they got permission for this. And he leaned over and he goes, we are the permission. And I went, yeah, bingo. It's the Canadian Navy. They own the water. Like, 
they don't have to get permission. Other people have to get permission to use that water. And so we kind of stopped and went, oh, yeah, like this is kind of, and then we asked the question, does the air work like that, too? Is that their air, essentially? And so he looked at me and he goes, who cares? We're on a boat. This is what we do. And so he was just so good with it. I just loved it. It's like, he was screw so the air. We hate the air. So he, they took us through the ship. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't a brand new ship. It was old. But they keep it at such a miraculous level of cleanliness and care that even though it's old, it has new technologies on the old vessel. So it was a nice mixture of things. Like all their weaponry is operated like remotely and, you know. Um, we went through, we actually got to go in the actual control room. Like you remember under siege where Tommy Lee Jones could take control of the ship. There's one of those. By I the am way. actually very happy that you segued into, uh, under siege. Cause my next question was going to be, is there in fact a kitchen on this yes, boat? I asked that question <laughs> and there is the kitchen doubles as the surgery. Ask that question. Wow. So, oh, it just be, I did every movie reference possible in my questions. Um, and the under siege thing kept coming out and I wanted to meet the cook. And I want to know if his name was Casey or and or Ryback. Yeah. Like, do you have like a, I don't know, stormy <laughs> and, past? And the, the coolest part about the Canadian Armed Forces is they completely know where you're going because it's the segue, right? They know it and they're playing along with you. Well, I got to think too that like, we've heard everything. And if we haven't heard it, we are here probably. I mean, there's always those people that are like, well, I joined the military because of X, Y, and Z. And typically our generation would be a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to be on a large boat because of Under Siege. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um. I mean, really cool. And we got to go to the command control room, whatever it was called, where the XO and all that is. The cool chairs were there and stuff. Um, we is saw there like screens where they can like... Tons. Yeah. Tons. But then they, we were in that room when they were docking. Mm-hmm. And digitally, it's 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 all there. Yeah. How they dock the boat. And they can dock the whole thing from there and not have to be outside at all. And literally, they can pull it into a dead stop, like a foot from the fucking concrete dock and not touch it. It was so amazing. And so they had basically like they have underwater and they have above, uh, you know, uh, ground to air, basically operations down in the control. So f- it was just fucking cool. So what does this boat actually do? It's, I didn't actually ask that question. I was so taken back by how it did it. I didn't ask what it does, but it, it, it has been, that boat itself had been in all the oceans of the world. Uh-huh. It had been over, um, in the Middle East, it had been down through Australia, it had been through the Barren Strait, it had been everywhere. So it's not for our, our eventual war on it's a, America. It's a, it's, it's, it's a warship. Though. Yeah, yeah. It is classified as a warship. So but it, it's not it like is. Lake Ontario battles. It's probably in the ocean. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Most of the stuff it does, it can't actually do most of it till it gets in the ocean. Some of the extra things, like the way it tracks submarines and stuff, it can't, mm. most of that equipment doesn't work till it gets out of the lakes. Hmm. So, because it would just, it, the stuff would bottom out. And did you know on an anchor, someone out there knows this, the end of the anchor is not what actually stops the boat. It's the links, the lengths of the chain link, the weight of those links. So they know how many links it takes to be enough weight to stop the boat. It's not actually the anchor you see. The anchor, yes, claws at the bottom to hold it to the bottom, but it's the piling of the links on the bottom that actually stops the boat. Didn't know that. Fascinating. There is many more fascinating things, but that's not they'll add. So they have thermal, and, and the Canadian military has thermal cameras attached to all their uh, weaponry. And there is the, the multiple different types of guns. Oh, I'll send you a picture. I had a couple uh, guns. Are you, were gun you allowed to take photos of some of the stuff? Yeah, 100%. Only place we couldn't do it was a control room. They took our phones. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and all that. Apparently, there's missiles out there that can home in on Bluetooth <laughs> signals <laughs> that can launch from almost the length of the planet. Oh, good. So... You they, don't want to be that guy. That like, they wire out, right? And of course, there was a a, a particular person, I'm not going to leave them unnamed, who walked in with their phone about to take a picture. Was not me. I was all over the phone thing because 
I've seen enough movies that they just when they, tackle that guy. No, when no, when this thing gets commandeered is when there's a tour group on it. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> right? That's yeah. yeah. So I didn't want to be the tour group. Yeah. Right. I wasn't prepared for that. I had plans. We had a podcast on. I was fasting, so I wasn't going to eat till like two o'clock. I would have been really hungry. I wouldn't. I couldn't have made it. Right. So there's a lot of conditions. Or if there is an overly large cake being taken to somebody for their birthday. I asked that when I got on. Yeah. Yeah. And they looked at me and laughed because they knew exactly where I was going. And then that's where I got like a rapport right away with some of the seamen. If you see anybody wearing a leather jacket, just get off yep. the boat. I almost wore one. Wow. I almost wore a leather jacket and a bandana. And a bandana. Thought about it. Huh. Thought about it. That's on purpose. Thought about it. That's not even an accident at and that point. And the thing is, they would know what that was. Oh, yeah. And I would not have made it on the boat. Yeah. Or that would have put me in the brig. Huh. Remarkably, really cool experience. Um, really awesome to see. And I can completely see why people, having seen that, if I had seen that at 16, it, it realistically could have been a conversation about a job. So they're just baiting like well, high school kids to try you to. You know what it is? Everyone right now is in this huge conversation about this industry has a shortage. This industry has a shortage. And sorry, I've been doing a lot of history on this. Uh, basically, since the 50s, uh, World War II, by the way, we had a shortage in every industry. Always have. And, and it, we've never really had a surplus of labor until we had some recessions along the way uh, in the 80s, the 90s, the 80s, the 90s, and the 08. But even how short and you know painful some of those durations were, we came out and we had labor shortages. We've always kind of had a labor shortage to match demand, but that's kind of the nature of how things go. And I'd be surprised to tell me, so anyone tell me otherwise. Poverty-stricken countries out of the way, there's no work and lots of people. But anyways. Um, so basically what you're saying is the military also has a shortage. Yeah, 100%. They're... they're Addressing the same challenges. And the military has a responsibility, they feel, to truly try to replicate um, their diverse representation of Canada. So really, the military should be a reflection of the Canadian citizens. With that being said, there's a lot of white dudes that work in the military. And not a lot of, you know, underrepresented minorities, women, and so on. So they're really trying to encourage. They're not, you know, this guy said it today really well. It's not preferential treatment under any circumstances. But there is a definitely an effort to promote to non-traditional groups that would traditionally apply. Right, because whatever they've already been doing... Gets them. Is... Yeah. Yeah. So, so they need we, to How adjust. do we get other people to take a look, right? Now, so you're in the trades. Yeah. Same challenge. Would you, well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> same challenge. Would you think of it almost like the trades in the same sense? Like, Yeah. I yeah. find like the military is kind of looked in that same way. It's like, well, that's an alternate path. We talked about this before, how like yeah, the yeah. traditional education system... You know, you know, high school, uh, university, no job, or yeah. maybe whatever. Um, trades is like, well, for the guys who couldn't get to university, trades is an option. And I yeah, always 100%. thought the military was kind of clumped into that same group as but well. I wonder if they're doing the same kind of. Yeah, they have the same challenge, hundred mm-hmm. percent same challenge. But then the thing is, when you look behind the the veil in the military, um, the educational pathway available is actually probably better than university it's deeper it's further like you just talk to people who go to the officer's training and officer's college holy shit well and like, they, these guys are getting their phds and masters and stuff i was gonna say don't they like, do a insane. lot of that like uh, they'll put you through schooling and that kind of they thing they put you through all kinds of schooling and the thing that you know as i've been having these conversations with the the armed forces and the navy and that a little bit was you know talking about how do you take the skills or you know the experience that they've had because let's be fair canadian military you have some cool experience. It's not just military experience. It's it's there is jobs you've done, multiple jobs. You get expertise in multiple jobs. So how do you take or create those credentials that only exist in the world of military and bring them out? 
because they don't use the same licensing bodies or registration bodies or educational bodies. So then how do we generate the equivalents? When they come out, they can transition to a career that they just spent five, 10 years in the Canadian military to learn and do and take it with them. But the problem is in that system, the, the struggle right now is that for most of it, they come out and have to start with a clean slate. But the, you know they have a lot of the essential skills that most employers say are lacking in today's workforce. You 100% have it in spades. But the challenge is those credentials. I mean, if I'm coming from the military, I'm a bit upset over that because there's some pretty pretty phenomenal credentials that I can't necessarily take with me. Like some of them around engineering and medical and all that kind of stuff. That stuff can come because it comes from the same type of medical colleges and engineering, you know, associations and shit. But the uh, skill trades, for example, uh, some of the, the world of tech, uh, even driver's licenses. Like you can get a driver's license in the military. That driver's license can't come out. So you get like a big DZ, like you drive a tank, a fucking aircraft yeah, yeah. carrier, like you, but you can't bring that out with you, right? So you can't drive a transport truck. But meanwhile, you just drove like huge armored vehicles that are way more dangerous and difficult to navigate over terrain, but that licensing doesn't carry with you. I don't know if you remember the very serious 80s film, First Blood, <laughs> the climactic speech. Mr. John Rambo has the exact same issue. He talks about this, how they were in charge of million dollar equipment and they come home and they can't even get a you know, car how? or driver's license. I'm just saying, I can relate anything I need to to whatever I want. I'm going to make that a t-shirt. <laughs> Jesus, that was awesome. And the worst part was I can't even argue with it because it's accurate. And what's scary was, okay, so I'm going to go on. I'm going to go further with your, 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 I'll call it a segue, be polite. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. That was accurate, those coming back from NOM, that that happened, right? But that hasn't changed. No, no. Not really, right? No, it's just they don't come back with all the other PTSD to that level. Now the Americans will tell me otherwise. And they're right. They've been way more heavy. And I'm sure we have it in Canada's too, but our involvement level per capita probably a little bit different. The reality is they definitely put themselves out on, the, on the line, to put their lives on the line. Um, they put themselves out there to, to really push themselves. And the military gives them wonderful opportunities. So... I think there's a lot of groups like, you know, um, from different groups like myself, uh, coming from a skilled trade background, that we are exploring how do we help these, you know, these veterans, uh, these people that gave, like put themselves out there for us. And even if they didn't didn't give their lives for us, great, they didn't, they get to come back. So let's help transition them back to be part of the bigger picture and the things they fought for, right? So there's a lot of groups, um, not just myself, there's like today there's probably like 350 people on that boat that all come from different backgrounds, educational systems, uh, trade associations, uh, engineering, uh, different varieties of skill trades. There was, there's lots of different people there today uh, with the same goal of how to, how to help build the bridges and pathways both ways. So how do we help inspire the next generation to say, hey, take a, take a look at this. And then how do we help that current generation and previous generation fix the back end so the transition pathway is good? And there's a really holistic, good conversation going here, which kind of segues into the conversation we want to have today. Yes. Okay. You sent me an email with some awesome <laughs> stuff and you, you really put some thought into this. And while I was traveling the past couple of weeks, um, it, I thought it was great that you really organized a bunch of stuff. Dude, so we- I'm just so burned out from work right now, which is also another segue into this exact topic. So we're going to talk about jobs. The we're, episode we're- is about work or jobs yeah, or yeah. employment. Yes. That's yeah, whatever fancy word you want to use. Specifically, uh, we were going to talk. Now, this is, I, I didn't actually talk to the, you about this kind of line in the sand, but we were going to talk about like jobs well, we had. When did we ever had a line in the sand we stuck to? Okay. Well, I wanted to know like where where you were cutting it off. We were going to talk about jobs that we had growing up. Oh, 100%. This is fun. I had enough of those. So I guess my, I, I, like, 
like our teenage years would be pretty much the like the end yeah. of the, like twenty cutoffs kind of thing. That's twenty still, and early. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. It should be I enough, right? That should give you like a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. I've never seen somebody <laughs> who's had, and I could argue this continues to this day. Somebody who has so many job opportunities. <laughs> And almost every time I would talk to you, it'd be like, oh, I got this new job, or oh, I'm looking at this new job. I've never, I can't keep track. Look, just wait till look, you actually get the Some job. people have magnetism to some things. Mine seems to be opportunity, op- opportunities of employment that don't always pan out, by the way, or are not always what they seem. I get to live the proverbial life of always being offered grass is greener on the other side and have to make a real educated decision each time. And I've gotten better with age, but certainly when I was younger, which we can allude to in this conversation, I was not very good at that. I took every single grass is greener and found out the vast majority of time it's not. And there are sometimes it is. And so how to how to spot what you're looking for, I definitely got good at that. And I, I think to before we get into this too deep, I have to assume, I, I have to assume, I mean, you would know better than I, I have to think the, the job opportunities have got to be different now for kids they're a little bit different but quite not as much as we think yeah yeah and and there's a real myth out there that there's no part-time job and i'll tell you having worked with a lot of teenagers going into the schools to provide whether it's health and safety training for co-op and oap or just talking about skilled trade careers or actually doing interviews for people getting into skilled trades um it's the same stuff on the resumes the same experience and when i asked the room uh who's got part-time jobs 75 percent or more raise their hands Majority of the time. I mean, it's not that I don't think they would have them. I would just think that maybe they would be different in this age that we're in now. But I could be wrong. Yeah, you'll be surprised. (laughs) Well, since I... They're still still working in the same places. Well, that's true. (laughs) Same places we worked in and a few others. I I have my suspicions (laughs) that your list is probably a bit longer than mine. So why don't you start? Let's go with... um, Very first job. Yeah. What's the earliest job that you can recall that was recurring? So what's the definitions? Recurring and paid? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> no, there was a money transaction. So yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, those two things are, so are A good. money transaction, we're not talking about amount or appropriate amount for hours worked. That's correct. Yeah, because I know which you I know will one of fill your, in later. your stories. Which ultimately was my still which, same which story. Which is also one of your stories. And I stayed in. Um, mm. So yeah, for me, actually the very first thing I did, I, I babysat. Mm-hmm. I did babysat. Did babysit. Um, was it? family or was it no no it was a friend of it was kind of like neighbors right friend of my my parents Mm -hmm. uh he was probably like six or seven and i was uh grade eight so and i was born late in the year so that'd be 12 going on 13 so it was good paying too man it was like 20 bucks for a monday night and it was six to like 9 30 six to nine it wasn't bad yeah like it was basically show up they were if he didn't have dinner already, he was like finishing dinner. And so then basically, and it was never bath night. So literally it was just hang out, play some Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. And uh, maybe Super Nintendo. And then literally in bed by 7.30. So maybe maybe eight. Like I was nice to let him stay up to eight, right? Read a book with him, put him in bed. And the kid was awesome. He just went to bed. So then that was it. I go back downstairs, play Nintendo or watch Monday night. I'd watch Raw. I was going to say, I think definitely the perks for us probably growing up when you had babysitting was do they have cable yeah yeah or do they have a video game system yeah the vcr anything that yeah like they could 100%, that, that you didn't thing. have at your house yeah. the money was great but you're like yeah but i can go and play like, this game have, that i don't have, have or, a satellite oh yeah 
the movie, they have the movie channel. Like I, I spend three hours channel surfing. Like yeah. nothing happened. Um, yeah, I, I had babysitting on my list as well. I mean, it was I. I felt like I was the king of it all though, because at twelve years old, I was babysitting for one night a week, and it was two to three hours, mm-hmm. and I got twenty bucks. Sweet. Minimum wage back then was like eight that, seven six forty six forty. So I was getting more than minimum wage or right on minimum wage. So I think it was what, 685 when we hit yeah. 16? And so that, if you think about today, kids do not make minimum wage to babysit. And I was making that in cash to babysit. That was pretty, that was pretty crude. Pretty mm-hmm. cool, man. I was, uh, that was a lot of money that age. Yeah. So, and then I did that and then I cut grass. Same house, by the way. I cut their grass, which is great because they raised beagles. So their backyard was like <laughs> no grass at all. Just, just landmines or no, 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 they had them k- k- uh, kenneled. Oh, okay. So it was fantastic. So right. basically I just, but they did, he would do the dog poo. Um, and then I would cut the grass, but there's so much dog poo. There's no grass. Nice. So he cleaned it up. And it was like nothing. And then I just had to cut the front. So, and again, 20 bucks every time I cut the grass. So I was getting 40 bucks from these people. Like every second week, 40 bucks from these people when you're 12, I was getting like 80 bucks a month. Yeah. Adam was high roller. hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. If I only knew how to save money. Just, I was just absolutely worse with it. Throwing money around. Yeah. Uh, video game rentals, movie rentals, and viewly pizza. Well, I mean, that's the one thing about, yeah, I mean, where we grew up, there was only so many places you could actually spend a your money. A so. viewly pizza, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then we started making money. You just went from buying slices to pans or Because yeah. why would you buy a slice anymore? Now you can buy an entire medium pizza folded on itself. Yeah. This is, I can eat this with one hand. Yeah. Cut, and well, you, it's and you shouldn't because it was an entire fucking medium pizza. Yeah. And it would scald your face off. But. So good. Yeah. But definitely the babies thing. I remember mm-hmm. one of the perks being because we didn't have. Uh, cable or satellite till a bit later so always going to like people's houses that had it and be like like watching much music for example or and like so beavis and butthead was on it like uh, at night or ren and stimpy like these programs oh, i didn't have at home ren and stimpy i get my kids awesome. to watch that and then yeah like i don't know about you but like every house that had a nintendo always had different games except for like the pack-in games like super mario and duck on that kind of thing almost every person's house had different games that's why trading games as kids was great because you could always find somebody that had a game that you didn't have and just borrow and trade with them. But coming off of babysitting, my first, let me see here. I've got my list because my memory is garbage. I just literally sent my daughter a text message that says, YouTube Red and Stimpy, watch it and enjoy. Totally <laughs> <laughs> uh, forgot about that. So my first, I guess it actually ended up being one of my longest jobs for a long time. Uh, and was, the bane of your shoulder problems today. Yeah, was uh, delivering newspapers. <laughs> I still have one shoulder that's higher than the other, which you still, is you still kind of like, weird. When it, when it comes time to run fast and straight, you veer one yeah, way. Yeah, I just look <laughs> to compensate. So I don't know what they use now because they don't use these. I had this huge they're probably illegal. newspaper bag that would go over your shoulder. And I think it was, I can't remember how many newspapers You had to I have had. over 100 papers in that bag. Yeah, but the thing was like okay, each paper folks, had like 30 flyers on it. Listen. Your this week paper, wherever mm. you are in Ontario, and if you're outside of Ontario, you're I'm sorry, one. but if you're Ontario, your freebie this week, the one that comes with all the flyers in it, this is the shit he used to deliver. So you got to picture 12 year old Matt, like 100, 120 pounds, carrying 100 of these over his fucking shoulder. Probably closer to 120, because yeah. I know part of the reason I got that job was supposed to be to, quote, lose weight. Uh, that didn't happen exactly, but. Because you used the money appropriately. Uh, yeah. Well, and or, the best part, or I was a bad influence with my money. <laughs> Whatever. So I delivered these papers. This is how little I, I was paid, and I'm sure it's illegal, but it was eight cents per paper, and it was a half a cent per flyer. 
I don't even know. I, it's sir, probably rounded sir, down, likely. Sir, can I have half a shilling? <laughs> yeah. And then once a month, which by the end of this, I got so lazy and just refused to do it. You were supposed to go door to door and be like, yeah, I'm here to collect for the newspaper. It's $2 a month. And every person would be like, no, no, it's free. I'm like, well, yeah, it's voluntary. And like, yeah. who's paying for that? Like voluntarily. And, Except I, I found a lot of old people did. Maybe they felt guilty for they me. Did, yeah. You know what the funny part is? I still um, pay that newspaper carrier. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously I'm in a different town and everything. But the delivery of the this week version here, mm. I make sure I, I pay them every month for collection because I think of you every time I pay them. And with inflation, they're getting ripped off just as bad as you were. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because their collection is only... I think it's only, like three bucks now? No, six. Oh, is it six? Oh, it's okay. six. But... Oh, no, mine went up to three at the end there. It's based right. on mm. the fact that we're talking about 20 years yeah. and inflation goes at about 2% a year, those kids are massively getting ripped off. In fact, actually, I think you made more money. <laughs> the, the part where it got really burned my ass was so... You would tell them, or from the week, from the month before, they'd be like, okay, well, you collected $2 from, I don't know, let's say 30 people. So then the next month, they would assume you're also going to collect from 30 people. It was my responsibility to call in and tell them that I only collected from, say, 25 people. If I didn't, because they dock you half of that collection, they dock it from your pay. What? So of the $2, I would only actually be bringing home $1. Oh but God. if I forgot to report that, say, five people didn't pay me, they still took so, the $5. What you're telling me is you never reported at all, ever. I forgot a lot, and I'd be always like the last minute, like, ah, crap. So it was really a loss leader job. I don't think I made a lot of money. I got but I do remember, a fair amount of exercise. I do remember there being like, we'd make a plan to want to go to the movies or go do something. So you'd be like, okay, well, that's Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, you go collect. <laughs> so you owe yeah, that yeah. cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of weird... Like, and you knew what houses you could count on. Like yeah. you just knew. You're like, okay, yeah. Like there was right. there was certainly perks. Like Christmas time was great for certain houses because they would tip you, which mm. was not something that was common for doing that. Um, but then there was always like, I mean, you came with me several times. There was always weird houses, like just nut job people that you know you had to throw the paper from afar because they were spooky. Uh, then the other problem became weather, and since I was doing this all on foot, uh, not like these suckers that get their parents to drive them around i was going by foot and delivering the newspaper in the rain and the snow and all that crap the worst would be like if there was like a uh, freezing rain or an ice storm and you're carrying all those newspapers and your tip sideways and your counterbalance is just gone and you'd be walking up a hill of sheer ice and you just slip and fall on your ass and i would always fall on the side that the newspaper bag was not so I think I have hip problems, shoulder problems. Uh, I was attacked by several dogs. Oh my God, the dogs, the Rottweiler. Always, yeah. But also like Jack Russell Terriers would bite into the bag. I had to replace one of the bags once because it had bite marks, like bite holes that. through it. You show me. You had to use the, you, but you used to use your newspaper bag as a shield. Well, yeah. What else am I going to do? <laughs> also, this bullshit of like the, the, the image of the paper boy delivering newspapers on his bike. Come on. I would do that if I like forgot a house. I'd be like, oh crap, I forgot a house. I'd hop on my bike with the newspaper and run down. Yeah, I love this thing where parents take their kids. I'm like, <sighs> I, I said it to my kids after a paper route and I described how you went through it, which pretty much deterred them completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I told them that you would be doing it the same way. And they went, what? And I said, well, you're going to, if you have 200 papers, we have a wagon. You can use the wagon. Mm-hmm. Out you go. And if you can't take them all, well, then part of your job will be coming back to fill your wagon up and do the rest. So yeah. you have to learn to be logistical in your planning. 
And they're looking at me like, this ain't worth it. And I'm like, and when the papers show up and they're flyers, you're rolling them. I'm not rolling them for you. Yeah. And uh, they just kind of went, there's there's all that involved with it? I'm like, yeah. So my nephew did a paper route yeah. for a little while, did the This Week paper route, made a lot of money, like a lot. Like, I don't know how the hell he made that amount of money, but I know his dad's helped him mm-hmm. quite a bit. And so they commented again, well, maybe we should get a paper route. I said, remember, we're not helping you. It, it got to the point where we couldn't convince either of my brothers to do it. At one point, my mom thought about doing it. Even she was like, nah, I don't think so. so I had that paper route from sixth grade into my first year of college. <laughs> At which point, I'm like, you know what? It's just not paying off anymore. <laughs> I forgot you were in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First year. Yeah. And the thing is, you actually, had, I think I made it through the first year of college. I think it was the summer after the first year of college. You also had other jobs. Oh, yeah. Along the way. This folks. was only this, twice this a week. This is not the only thing you did. Yeah, it's only yeah. twice a week. And the other jobs you found to make them work with your paper route. Well, but then there's some serious resentment when you did papers while doing those other jobs. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember the I, anger on your face while I'm sitting there waiting for you, having already been paid for my work that day. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it when you'd show up rolling in and I'm like, like knee deep and rolling newspapers. It was much the same as when I was halfway through cutting the grass or something yeah, like yeah. that for free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I loved showing up. I always knew your route. So as long as I knew what time you left, I knew when I could catch up with you near the end of your route. When you're at that pissed off, tired, but at least grateful that you're not doing it anymore stage. It was funny how people started to show up while I was delivering newspapers and they just like ride their bike or walk yeah, by with me. I walked with you. And I'm like, you passed. Not one of you has helped me. <laughs> I tried to help you, but it wasn't much help. I suppose you're keeping me company. Yeah, that's fair. I occasionally did a few houses. And then, of course, this is the time, you know, it's not even like now where you could have an iPod. I had a CD, a portable CD oh, player. God, skip, Actually, skip. I, yeah, exactly. So I had a tape player first, then I got the, the CD player, and it was it did not have the anti-skipper. It was like three seconds. It was something useless. So you're like trying to walk, like balancing it. It's just, it was a While nightmare. While delivering papers. Yeah. It's like probably changing batteries halfway through. It was, it was a nightmare. <laughs> You'd get songs stuck in your head from like, because, you know, when I wouldn't bring it with me and I just hear the same part of the song over and over again it in my head. It was long, man. Your route was like an hour and a half. Easy. Oh, yeah. At least. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, paper route. Yeah. that's Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. That was uh, defining. <laughs> yeah, it certainly was. A generational thing for you. Moving on. I'm trying to think. So what did I do? I mean, I, I had a lot. I had a lot of high school jobs. Um, you had a lot of hustles. I did. There weren't hustles. Though. There was all part-time work. So... I might as well do like a cluster because I had like a cluster mm. after like a little while. So did the babysitting grass cutting thing. And then I, I'm going to forget jobs. Guarantee you. Uh, so I got in doing like, it, we lived in Butley, which was a um, fishing, like, you know, water-based town. Like we lived on a lake. So a lot of people would Allegedly be. tourists. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I didn't even use the word. <laughs> but anyways, uh, more of a fishing community. So it was, mm-hmm. was pretty popular for people to deal with uh, basically water. And so my uncle owned a boat shop, bait and tackle shop. So they boat rentals and stuff like that. So it's, uh, you're going to work there. And so I did work there for a little while. Um, and it was within walk. That's another thing. Everything's walking distance. Yeah. Like we're in a remote town that really, you have to drive 20 minutes in any direction out of that town to get to a larger center. So pretty much the majority of our jobs up until we got our driver's license, you had to be able to bike. Yeah, or and that's to- what it, I'll be honest, the driver's license changed it all. Right? Oh, sure. So, but anyhow, the, um, so I did the boathouse thing kind of off and on for a bit. Um, did a couple summers steady there. And then there was another boathouse I worked at for a little while, which had a chip truck. I got to work on the chip truck briefly. Oh my God, that was horrible slave labor. <laughs> um, so that didn't work out very well. 
And working in a boathouse, I mean, literally, if people go to rent a boat, all you were doing was getting the boats ready every morning. So gassing them, getting them ready, telling them, selling them the stuff they need to put them out for the day. Then they go out for the day. And basically, you wait all day for them to come in. And then when they come in, you clean them, which, by the way, would be stuff people would do in our nine-foot aluminum rental boat, <laughs> including defecating themselves in the front bow because they didn't want to go to shore to go to the washroom, was some of the grossest shit I've ever dealt with in my life. Um, and I made, I think, 20 bucks a day and worked 16 hours. That's how it worked. Yeah, I showed up at 5, and the boats would come in at 9. And by the time you finished cleaning them, it would be like 9, 10 o'clock at night, and then you're back the next morning for 5. And then like you had like the boats went out in the morning and they didn't really have a lot to do from like ten o'clock in the morning till like dinner time. So you'd like you'd cut the grass, you'd count worms, you'd clean the shop, tend the shop. Yeah, like if people came in to buy like lures and, and, or and when you're like fourteen to seventeen, you are so freaking bored, you can't do that very well. It's hard. Very, yeah. very, very, very hard. So that was very hard to learn patience, um, and responsibility. I will say <laughs> that stage. You did have a TV. Yeah. A little TV. And friends would always come. And it did end up being like a hangout again, which is weird how people gravitated to other people working for free. (laughs) And the other people would come down and hang out and feel guilty and help. It's true. So they would help get boats ready and stuff like that because it was something to do productive, right? And deep down in a small, small community, I think this was a big advantage that if you were hanging around other people that were doing work and you want to hang out with them, you knew if you could help them get the work done, they'd be done quicker. And mm-hmm. so it, 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 very community activity, which I kind of look at living in a somewhat larger town, almost city now where we are. I struggle how my kids are going to get that, right? So you try to instill that through stuff inside the house because this is such a cool thing that you get a part-time job in your teenage years. You start to understand if you finish the things you're responsible for that you've agreed to do for money, then you can move on. And it's well, it definitely becomes certainly um, a social circle and oh, a yeah. social, you, you meet people like, and you uh, learn like-minded people around work. Actually, it allows you to connect better. Uh, I do have a strange recollection of scorch marks on the ceiling. No, no, that didn't happen. Okay. My bad. Uh, broken glass. No, that didn't happen either. <laughs> like cut the mic, cut them. Uh, so that's also one of my jobs. <clears throat> I work there. Yeah, how long uh, did you work there? I worked there from... Days? Weeks? Uh, what time do you start in the morning? <laughs> five? Yeah. Uh, I was there from five until uh, whenever they kicked me out. I got paid... I, I'm going to be optimistic. I think it might have been $25. Yeah, I think you did. I think you got more than I did. And I came home and I told my parents and they're like, wait a minute. You worked from five till like 10 at night and you got paid $25? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you're not going back there. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. And so I had to pick your shift up the next day. <laughs> yeah. And Basically, I just did twice the work the next day. And I still hung out there. Yeah, you came down anyways. I still came you down. asshole. Yeah. I just didn't get paid for it. Not that I got paid for it too much before. So, needless to say, the boat boy was a tough business. And mm-hmm. there's people still doing that work today. Um, oh, another highlight of this job, watching you do this, was the, at least several times a summer, where, and you warn people when they rent these boats, you've only got so much gas. Oh, yeah. There'd be a point where these boats didn't come back and you would have to go out and find them because they would run out of gas or worse, they'd start to sink because unfortunately they'd take the boat, they'd go to the other side of the lake, they'd pick up like six more friends and they'd get in the boat and yeah, bog it, it right there down. there was a limit, like five adults. Yeah, yeah. Right, there was a limit and the, the reason the limit is there because the boat will sink. Yeah. And they would decide, no, no, there's plenty more seats <laughs> and we're small, we can put many people in here. They put 12. The biggest I saw was 16 one time. <laughs> and we saw the, the boat, the very lip of the boat, 
brushing the water. Yeah. And it was cold too. And I remember thinking to myself, go, they're going in. <laughs> and then the thing that I know is how hard it is to get a boat out of the water when you're a teenager, right? That has sunk. And there's no one to help you, by mm-hmm. the way. So usually there was like a younger boat boy and an older boat, boat boy. And the older boat boy, when I say older, I'm talking like between 16 and 18 yeah. at best. And But I'm telling you, talk about maturity and responsibility quickly. Um, there's a lot of valuable lessons, I will admit. Um, but I'm certainly hopeful that it's a little more above board. Today. Regulated? Yeah, just above board. I'm going to use the word on. Like a little sure. more, more you know, family business too, let's be fair. So I'm always yeah. going to be the brunt of that, right? So not my family. It's like extended family a little bit, right? Anyway, so yeah, I did that. And then around the same time, because that was the summer job, seasonal, you need a winter job. So my uncle at the time actually opened a um, skate sharpening machine up at the local arena. So my uncle passed and the boat boy thing started to fade there a little bit. Um, just the way that the whole thing went weird. And it was just difficult for people to do and the, all the emotional attachments and that. So I started to resonate away from that. But I did keep up the skate sharpening with my dad. And so I did a lot of skate sharpening, which and really it was actually like a little pro show. I loved it. I loved skate sharpening. I love talking to the people about hockey. I really love hockey. I always loved hockey. Um, played a little. I even played a little bit of hockey just from working skate sharpening a um, little bit, and it was pretty poor. Um, but then I got into refereeing, and so refereeing became the part time job, which was great because I could keep my ref bag at the arena while I sharpened skates. And if they're a shorter referee for pickup hockey or anything like that, I could hop on the ice and ref. Then I, of course, I got my light, my my level one and two and all that stuff. So I did all the minor hockey as well. Um, so I could referee hockey and hockey paid well refereeing and t- even today refereeing hockey pays really well. Um, and it was physically active, which was great. So I got to be a really good skater from doing that. Put a stick in my hand, didn't make it any better. Definitely better without stick. And, uh, yeah, made some good money with that. It was really good. And definitely learned to be in control of situations of people that are the same age or older because I refereed like well, your, often older, your yeah. dad's hockey yeah, league. I refereed league stuff, the men's yeah. league, which were, these were my, like the, all, the, all of them rolled to be my dad and mm-hmm. I'm telling them what they're doing wrong. Yep. So that was kind of fun. And, you know, there's a very strong chance that several of them might have been intoxicated might before been they got on the ice. Fucking hammered. We're drinking while they played. <laughs> on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Again, where we grew up, it was, that was it. The summer was on the lake and the winter was at the arena. I mean, even if you weren't working at the arena, for whatever reason, we spent time That's where people just would be. lingering around at the arena. Don't mind the office phone. <laughs> we have an office phone? I don't know. I hear ringing and usually there's no ringing. We're podcasting You're here. You're now. Maybe that. Yeah, that's it right there. Keep it over there. We have just solved a major production problem. Yes, amazing. It only took thirty six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you didn't always have that phone, so I can't guarantee that that was the case. Fair enough. Uh, no, so yeah, in the summertime the it was always on the lake, and in the wintertime it was always at the arena. Uh, and yeah, as you mentioned, my dad played men's hockey. A lot of the, that was what the your dad, dads your did. Your dad was nice. Uh, yeah, of the group, uh, I suppose. He didn't hit me with the puck. <laughs> but I was there too, and I wasn't refereeing, but I'd be timekeeping. Yes. I don't know how I got into that. But again, these things all kind of happen through remember. osmosis. Did you, get, did you get the timekeeping first, or did I get the refereeing first? I feel like it's really close. Maybe you were refereeing first, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. because that Brad guy. Sorry, this is like one of those conversations you're all like, "Well, we don't know yeah. what you're talking about." So there was a guy that timekeeped, an older guy who was timekeeping. He ended up asking me to referee because I was doing a lot of the hockey. So I took on that refereeing, and then he told me he was looking for a timekeeper, and I told him about you. That's probably it. That's exactly. How and that I happened. think it was like even the timekeeping was like fifteen bucks a game or something. Yeah, like, like that. refereeing was twenty. Timekeeping was fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was crazy. And yet somehow you would get so I don't know because I had. 
zero interest in hockey so i'd be like reading oh, a God. book or something yeah. and like you know the play would stop and you'd forget to stop the clock like you had two jobs you had to set the penalties and you had to start and stop yeah, the clock and, and my refereeing there was no penalties <laughs> yeah which was amazing i waved off icings to note to the point where they'd fucking swear at me because they needed the oh, icings yeah. to, to take a break because they couldn't breathe and i'd laugh and tell them we'll stop drinking <laughs> Or stop smoking. I remember that they, went over they, well. They'd come over sometimes and they'd be like, oh, you know, you, you let the clock run or whatever. I'm like, I don't know how to put it back. <laughs> like, just some bullshit example. And then I remember like maybe midway through or three quarters of the way through, they changed the board. Yeah. Because they had changed the scoreboard and the, the board control. This is useless information. But I just remember it, it somehow got more complicated. Yeah. And, and there's no training. No, 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 no. It was like, what does this do? And it's not like we were smart enough to show up early. We showed up late most of the time. And then be looking for you and wondering what's going on. They'd be looking where the refs are, and they'd usually show up late. Her office assistant just showed up. Our production producer. This is the greatest note ever. What do you got? Someone from OFCP called. So someone called the house. Um, and then right now there's a spider upstairs in front of my room. <laughs> is that uh, no? Listen, listen. To be we fair, pause? No, to be fair, there's so, there's a couple people in this house that really, really do not like spiders. And they need to die at all cases when they're uh, found. So we're going to pause this podcast mm-hmm. for a second for me to go kill a spider. Okay. This is a dead moment. I will pause it. So Sp- spider's dead. Spider's dead. Right on. Mission accomplished. Yeah. 100%. Couldn't even see the damn thing. That's the best kind. Uh, we have these security cameras at work. And every once in a while, I review the footage. Some of the bugs that I see on the night vision... That just like skitter through like the office. It's horrifying. Terrifying. Anyways. Uh, okay. So with the, the rink. We, yeah. So with the rink. That was so. the winner. I mean, you, yeah, you had. Okay, uh, so the, but it started to transition at that point because I was around the same time when I was doing the refereeing shit that I got my license. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this is back when you still could get your license and then not much more than eight months to a year later, you could actually have your G2. I think it was eight months. Eight was months. The, the yeah. absolute. If you if had you driver's your, ed. Yeah. Took your driver's ed. Got your. You got your 365 or G1, whatever the hell they call it. Yep. And uh, you get that, which was supposed to be one year of learning. But if you took your driver's training, they shaved off four months. So you can get an eight. And then so I got mine, like you, eight yep. months. Yep. And then so then I started to get in different jobs. And I end up working at, um, <clears throat> man, I refer to this place as so many different things. Um, I worked at Trinity College School in Port Hope, which was the prep school, mm-hmm. which I often felt like Toy Soldiers was filmed at. It late, looks like it. And later in life, thought Harry Potter was filmed at. Also looks like it. Yeah. yeah. It was so awesome. It was like a total like castle school thing in a really small community, which money. made no sense why it was there. Yeah, definitely money. Uh, I worked in the kitchen, which um, sucked. I do not recall this job at all. Oh, I was there for a long time. <laughs> I was there for like three years. I had a was, traumatic brain injury. It was a school season. So I worked that while still refereeing. Okay. Because it was only part-time, like 15, maybe 15, 20 hours a week. Adam abandoned me. I apparently so, left me at home. I don't remember this. So I did this one. But it was perfect hours because you could get off school and your shift started at 4 or 4.30 and you finish at 7.30. It was dinner. So it was for the kids that boarded there. Right. So you got Which there. Which I think was the majority of them. Yeah, wasn't yeah. Okay. You helped prep. You helped. They don't do a whole lot for prep. A little bit of help prep. But mostly I worked the dishes. So where they drop their dishes off, basically put them through the dish machine, put them away. Or the, the corner they called it, which was the pots and pan corner, which was shit job, by the way. Occasionally you served, but they were so sexist that mostly it was just the girls served and men cleaned. So I'm but, sure things have changed. But I got a free dinner every night. <laughs> so awesome. every night I went to work, I got paid. Seems vaguely familiar. And I got dinner. I don't know. So it was a neighbor of ours. 
their mom worked mm-hmm. there okay. and she got me the job. All right. And so what got me the opportunity to interview anyways. And then one of our teachers, his wife was the other supervisor, mm-hmm. Mr. Tori. Ah, okay. All so right. then I knew, so I helped have like two, both supervisors knew who I was. Um, and I, and I, you know what? It was great because it was the first job I think I got where my parents weren't involved. Right. Like I actually had to make a resume. I actually had to apply. I actually right. have to fully interview. independent yeah. more or less. Yeah. And so, and then you had to drive yourself there, do your work and go home. And they had like cool, uh, different events. They do barbecues and they had the weekend shifts because on boarding, you had to do lunch and dinner or breakfast and lunch for these kids. Right. So they had different shifts in that. Um, I really did enjoy that job. Worked it for, oh, at least two years, two full school years, maybe three. Uh, most of high school I worked there. I'm a bad friend that I do not yeah. remember this at all. <laughs> but it wasn't... I literally, Why don't I remember this? Because I could go to that job from high school, right? You could do your paper route. You would have dinner in your paper route. I'd be back from this job at the same time. That's true. So at 7.30 at night, I would have already done my job. You would have done your job. We would have done whatever homework we need to do. And then we could have got together. And so it really didn't infringe from us hanging out at all in any way, shape, or form. And that was also around the same time. Uh, yeah. And I was a grade ahead of you. So I'd start doing that in grade 10. Because grade 10, I was getting, I was still getting dropped off there. I started getting dropped off there. And then by grade, the beginning of grade 10, and then by the grade 11, I started driving myself. All right. Well, I'm going to take the easy out. Then I'm going to say that I, I I remember all of this clearly. No, not really. No, but I don't. We can't remember everything. Like, I remember you working at. Well, this is my next job. Arby's. I think. When I got. This is my. When I got my driver's license, my driving to work job was, yes. Uh, I believe when I was 16. So that would have been, yeah, right after I got my license. Uh, I went to Arby's in Port Hope. Yeah, because I was working at TCS every once in a while when you still work at Arby's. Yeah. I'd pop over after work because you had a much later shift than I did. Yeah, usually I was working the clothes. Like, I'd get there, like. Yeah. Uh, Usually the dinner rush, I think it was like 5 to 11 I'd get off at 7.30 and be like, hey, fucker, you still work? And you hated it. Yeah. Because there'd be no customers when I showed up. Can I order like six, just the chicken? I don't want the buns. I don't want any of the sauce. I don't want any of the vegetables. Just give me the chicken. That was when you were re- that was when you were just abusing every fast food place for just, just the straight chicken pieces or whatever. Still doing that today, by the way. That's true. Uh, yeah, so I did Arby's for a few years up until, I think, grade yeah, 10 or 11 you went into college with high Arby's. school. Uh, no, when I when in, into college, when I the summer after high school, that was the end. I got, when I started college, I wasn't working there anymore. Okay, because I needed a way out, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to college now. I you even, can't you stay were, here." You were going to consider working in Peterborough. I thought about it because one of the managers who I actually liked had moved to the Peterborough location. But see, I just and you never you did, did fast food correct. I did fast food wrong. I don't know, so, man. It felt wrong. I, I've never. Oh, really? So you you didn't have the time of being the first delivery driver for kfc in a small town <laughs> this i do remember actually <laughs> i remember only the i, nightmare I lost stories. that so much money on that job <laughs> for sure because delivery driving were you driving at the time was it the, the optima grand am then the optima grand, yeah, yeah. yeah the grand am was totally chickenized yeah yeah so besides seeing the horrific uh inner workings of how kfc makes their food um which in hindsight, I can't believe I never didn't nick one of those big things of chicken. It would have been worth a fortune. And it's um, not like this was anyways, a, a classy KFC. I so was all right. It, it was, was Colbert's. Like, it was the old school ones. Yeah. It held on to that a lot longer than most needed mm-hmm. to. But I had buddy, a couple of buddies worked there. Right, Reddit worked there. Reddit, KFC, 
right? You made chicken. I didn't deliver it well. Um, so my job was literally to hang around, not do any of the real work. None of it. They did the real work. They made the chicken. They fried the chicken. They cleaned the... And that means seriously, cleaning that place was absolutely next to impossible. Um, so clean, what, so my everything job... Because everything or smelled like grease and just it was, was grease grease. They, they could slide from one side to the other of that place. So then my job was to uh, literally just do the delivery driving. And people hadn't quite figured out that KFC delivered. And so there wasn't really a lot of orders. So one delivery driver was way more than they needed. In fact, the manager probably could have just been the delivery person if they wanted to. I was totally contract work. So I wasn't a full... I wasn't an employee at all. So I just paid out every night. And so that's the worst idea when you're a teenager because you just basically either eat it, eat the money, like physically like go buy something and eat it, or you put it in gas or a combination of the two. And that's all that was. Did you get free food? No, not really. See, I, I didn't had to buy it. I got discounted food though. And it was already Toonie Tuesday. Discounting that was awesome. It was like a dollar. I officially didn't get free food. At but the end of the night, I could get free food. Yeah. I got to the point where I was like, you're, I'm going to make this sandwich and then I'm going to go eat it. And if you're going to get rid of me, please do. And they never did. It was. I still have told people when talking about careers and talking about the shit jobs and customer service, I still tell the story about the gentleman. So in the restaurant, I was on the customer side of the counter because we're hung out. There was one front counter person and you. That's all that was there. I think the manager was in the back. It was so rare that I had more than just myself making all of the meals. <laughs> So in drive through and front in comes like the one customer in the entire store stores completely empty guy walks up orders. I don't know beef and cheddar. I can't remember the hell it was or a sandwich. You had to go back and make it, which you basically were disgusted. You had to go make it <laughs> your body language. You hid, Look, you hid nobody. By that point. Yeah. And I was sighing so loud. You could hear it through from the back to the yeah. front. Probably. So you go back, you make it and. I mean, the, the eerie silence of you can hear the fold of every sandwich and wrapper and like the slamming and it on like, the tray. Beep, beep, yeah. beep. Oh, you microwave my sandwich? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so he's like, you, you did what you needed. No, the sandwich you made, you made fresh. I remember this. You made it. And we watched the whole thing go down. And she goes over and puts it in the bag as if it's like, that's anything she needs to do. And she serves it to the guy. Blah, yeah. blah. He goes and sits in the booth right across from us. You can see him the entire time. There's nothing blocking our vision. Sits down, wraps the sandwich, takes a massive fucking bite, massive, puts it down, wraps it up, comes back to the counter, and says, I just opened my sandwich, and there was a bite taken out of it. I thought you were going to kill that man. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard, I had to leave, because I couldn't believe I just saw that happen. And the poor girl up front was, like, shocked. She had to deal with both him and me. That was You're the problem. Like, I oh, fuck you. I, just I was so you. loud. Are you fucking kidding me? And it was like a sandwich I wouldn't even have eaten. Like it was not even. I mean, oh, there are, there's like a line and there's no way I would cross that. We watched him open it and bite it and then came up and said, that was the thing yeah. you took. Yeah. Oh, that was the greatest experience. What made me realize that customer service certainly wasn't going to be my thing. Uh, loved every second of you working there. <laughs> not necessarily me working there. Yeah, I remember vividly one time I had a really bad night. Because again, I was... You had a lot of bad nights mm-hmm. there, by the way. Most of the time I was in the back. Here's the thing. And look, I'm not... This is my... This isn't anybody else's fault. But you're at that age. You want to have spending money. I had a girlfriend. I needed to take her to the movies because there was about all there was to do. I needed money. So I had to really... I had to put up with the job that I normally... And you would job hunt. I would have left. No. But I remember one day I had such a bad night and I remember I was mouthing off to everyone. everybody. 
And I remember the like the, the the actual manager was there, not like the assistant manager or shift manager. It was the full on manager. Came out. He looked at me, and I looked at him, and we were locked in a dead stare for what felt like <laughs> ten minutes. And, and he was like, "Matt, are you all right?" And I'm like, "No." And he turned around. <laughs> He went right back into his office and shut the door. And that was like the extent of that. I was like, well, I'll never be fired from this job because they looked into my soul and were terrified. And then they left. This man will put us through the meat slicer. Yeah. Oh, that slicer was sharp. We had chainmail. Uh, yeah. I, I got to wear a sweet chainmail glove when I got to clean it. I want to put this in here right now because so you mentioned Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. And I put on Twitter, I think a week ago, maybe. Five days ago, just mentioning that we were going to talk about, you know, bad jobs and that kind of thing or, you know, whatever, our our childhood jobs. And Jesse responded and said this. And I don't know if he was talking about you or maybe he was talking about Gallagher. Hold on a second. I didn't this. (laughs) So he said, and this may be what you were talking about. He said, Adam and I worked at a place where I was yelled at. He was left alone (laughs) all day, every day until I walked out. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, that was so completely different. Oh, that's too bad. Oh god, this was horrible. This is totally probably why I, I am a union was a union rep and still am affiliated to a union today. So we were Oh my god. I felt so bad. I wish he forgot. Um <laughs> so, he has not. So in the summers, there was a um oh my god. Jesse, fucking this is unreal. I remember this too. I didn't and I had to live with all summer the fact that you walked out of this fucking job. And then you ended up doing something so much better, by the way. Um so anyways, it was a car part recycling facility in Port Hope. And so basically oh, it had like okay, the yeah. little um, uh, airbag covers, right? And so when they didn't come out the right color or whatever, and like thousands of them, right? So what we basically had to do was stick an exacto knife in, run around, peel the vinyl off from the foam, and then there was a machine that separated the foam and the plastic. So plastic would be separated, the foam would be separated, and the vinyl would be separated. And we basically bin it all to recycle it and set it out. Complete physical labor. Absolute shithole. Like, can't describe how much of a shithole this is. So I had a job there the summer before. And Jesse is like, man, I want a job where I can work like 40 hours a week. I'm like, hey, I got a place where we make, you know, we can make, I think it was like 12 bucks an hour, 11 bucks an hour, which was big money back then. Which at the time, yeah, that's, yeah. that's and pretty And you get 40 selling. hours. So yeah. I mean, 400 bucks a week in the summer when you're 16, 17, that's good money, mm-hmm. right? And you finish work every day at three. So really, you got all your time. It's perfect. Your evenings yeah, are free. 100%. Yeah, 100%. So it was pretty good. So Jesse's like, yeah, I'll come do that job. I'm like, right on. So I totally said to my dad, it was my dad's best friend at the time who was the manager, right? So I said, dad, like I got another body. Like this guy isn't a loser like the rest of them. Like Jesse doesn't do drugs and crack and drink all day. And so like these grown men who can't sort out their lives. So we're reliable. And Jesse is reliable. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, right on. Jesse shows up. <laughs> the boss just yells. <laughs> the place was so loud. You couldn't hear anything. He put earplugs in. Can't hear anything. In, in, out didn't matter. He just yelled all the time with no earplugs in and fucking yelling to the point where you're not sure if he's going to stab you or not. He was so bad. And Jesse, this is, is not of Jesse's personality. Yeah, like yeah. He's just a respectful human being and he's respectful <laughs> to people. This is not a him. I'm used to weird people. We grew up weirdly. We're yeah, used yeah. to this shit just walking down the street. Jesse didn't come from a community like that. So anyways, he was like, we come to break. He's like, 
fuck, I hate this job. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I get it. I don't know what to tell you. He's like, the fucking guy's always mad. I'm like, yep, he's always mad. I, I, I don't know. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm like, we can't do anything right. Does it doesn't matter. I said, he did this the entire summer. There's no reason. He just like, I can't fucking take this. I can't fucking take this. He eventually just left. Just got up, left. Just gone. And I'm sitting there going, I can't explain this. Fuck did you go? Yeah, because you were the guy that would have brought him in, right? 100%. Not only did I bring him in, now I had to do his work. <laughs> so I went from this, like, sitting around this corner where you just had the, the CD player blaring in your ear because everything was too loud anyways, and just peeling these things with Jesse to doing it by myself, and then weird people through the course of the summer that couldn't maintain employment as an adult doing anything else um, did this job. And listen, a job is a job, okay? Uh, but there was really no health... And like, knowing what I know today, the fines... <laughs> Of health and safety would shut that place down in like two seconds. Uh, two seconds. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, to the point where like even the grinder machine we put the plastic through, if you put it through too much material through at a time, it would get too hot. It would all melt into giant balls and it would start shaking the machine. The oh machine God. itself was over 20 feet tall. Like you, It was a human meat grinder. If you put a person through it, you could put multiple humans through it, and they would grind them up. So totally unsafe. No garbage, no nothing. And usually the person working up there was so hot up there would wear safety glasses, no shirt, <laughs> jean shorts, and running <laughs> shoes. That's pretty much the person up there, if you get an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Jesse left that, and I can't remember what he got to do, and I wish I could remember, but I remember it was so much fucking better, is what I remember. That's all I remember. It was so much fucking better. Well, Jesse, since I'm sure yeah. you've, uh, you're have you listening, and thank you for that content. Totally forgot. Uh, <laughs> let us know. Hit us up on social media and fill us in where you went after that. I can't remember what it was It can only be called. better by the sounds of it. But I remember the Hamilton, there was a Hamilton sister plant. Yeah. It burnt to the ground. It was the huge plastic fire at <laughs> Hamilton in like the late 90s. It Jesus. was on the news and everything. That was the sister plant. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think I ever told Jesse that, by the way. <laughs> It was, in fact, Jesse that burned it to the ground. No, 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 no. Speaking of burning the ground, the Arby's that I worked at uh, also burned to the ground. That's why they built a new one? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it was just significantly after I left. Uh, Nothing to do with me. Anyway. Now, I'm trying to remember if I was delivering chicken. So, Jesse worked at the KFC that I delivered chicken from. Well, that's when you mentioned I thought maybe that's what that was about. No, no, that boss. (laughs) Jesse, at that point in his career, working life, couldn't give two shits to anybody. Oh, okay. So they could try to yell at Jesse all they want. Didn't fucking matter. Didn't uh-huh. matter at all. So no, we had a kind of a lot of fun on that one. There, there was actually a, at least three or four of us that worked there. Really fun. That was fun. That was fun. The KFC was fun. And uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I was, it was cool. I would have left that job very, very early because I, I made no fucking money. That job cost me money. Um, and I would have left that if it wasn't for Jesse and the couple other guys that worked there. And just having that camaraderie with them, because mm-hmm. most of the workplaces I had before that were either you're by yourself, or it was older adults that you certainly weren't going to socialize with. In fact, you were worried if they're breaking into your car during a break. <laughs> so those were typically the people I worked with. Oh, the, the Trinity College School was all right too, but there are people that were none of them went to the same school as me. So like decent socialized, but you would never see them outside of work. Yeah. So, which was a good building block for growing up. But <laughs> yeah. So anyways, there was that. And then I was, I was also the rink rat at the local arena, yeah. the guy who actually mopped the entire fucking arena every Sunday night. So all those stands, people do get mopped. So thank you for all the shit you used to spill and leave and tromp in and think that no one cared. My favorite when your part kid, is when you your kid was sick and didn't tell anybody and four hours later after mop frozen puke. Yeah, I did that. I love how you got like so serious and so close to me. You're like, yeah, somebody cleans that. God damn. Yeah, because the stuff you fucking people <laughs> leave behind is, is gross. It's not, it's not a bathroom. 
Okay, that's all I have to say. I've cleaned up more human waste, actually, thinking about it, without ever having a job that says I'm supposed to clean up human waste. I've had a job that involved cleaning human waste, and I think you've done more than it. So yeah, yeah, 100%. Right Fuck on. you. Jesus. So so what was the end of the era for those types of jobs? So, I know what my... I only have one other job, really. Oh, my God. I worked I, at Sears. Yeah, I, I've, I remember this, actually. That was vaguely. really cool. That was, again, another very unsafe job. Yeah. I feel like you got a discount in the store. Yeah, but I never bought anything. No. Sears, for fuck's sakes. Now, as an adult, it would work out great, but well, she's just gone. But I used to be the do the shipping and receiving, so the unloading yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So the, yeah. the transport trucks would come in mm-hmm. and you unload everything, right? And then you would take things like sofas and fridges and like giant TVs and try to put them on shelves. I'm just going to pause there for a second. I gave, We came from a time when a, a big screen TV was like a fucking couch. And you had to put it on a shelf. Yeah. Or, like, or was it even a flat screen at that point? No. It, it was, was probably a, those it was projection a, TVs. It was an apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So anyways, um, that was fun. Fun job. And we had uh-huh. a giant compactor. So when things were broke, you put them in the compactor. But the compactor didn't always work correctly. So that was like you had to use a stick. Let's just say like. <laughs> that's uh, that's that, the that, height of safety that, right there. I remember being. Poke it. I remember being told how to use the compactor. And the lesson was basically. Look, Don't. <laughs> If you get in it, oh god, you'll die. That was the training. Yeah, that's fair. And so I was, I really didn't use it much. Um, and then the coolest part is for those that who work in retail, and they could attest to this. And maybe the system has gotten better, but it probably hasn't. That every quarter, I think it was every quarter, um, complete store inventory. Yeah. So every item on the rack and every item in the back had to be accounted for, and there was a sheet that says what was supposed to be there versus what was there. And you had to go through every fucking item. And you had so many days to find it. And I think about how big some stores are. Like, look at the bay in downtown Toronto. How many floors is that? How the fuck do they do that? Because, I mean, this store wasn't that big. And it took us two overnight shifts at least to do the floor. And then probably more than that. And then all the stuff in the back took us like a whole other week to chip away at while still running the store. And then it would be like another week for the things with the deficiencies, things you couldn't find. Well... I, I would imagine, did they bring in extra staff for that? No. The sales staff would get to join us. That was the overtime. Because this kind of links into my last part-time teenage job. And I believe you came out maybe for one or two of these. Oh, uh, my God, no. Where There's I still to... the reason I can use a number pad effectively. <laughs> so I believe it was monthly, if I remember correctly, because they had gotten so bad with their inventory at Collins and Aikman in Scarborough. <laughs> They would bring in friends and family, and it was suckers. It was these paper tickets with these codes that meant nothing to any human being, and you had to punch in the code and the and the quantities. And I can't even. It had to be thousands and thousands of these things that we had to put. Yeah, I remember they were in stacks. I swear that God, the stacks were like two hundred and fifty a stack. Like it, it was didn't matter how fast you went through them either. No, it just kept going. It you basically went until you're like, I gotta go home. Yeah, like it's we like, could just stay. It was good. They paid you by the hour. And we got they, paid fifteen bucks an hour, which they, was stellar at the time. And they didn't jip us. It's true. They were good. We got fifteen bucks an hour. Uh, they usually did like pizza or whatever. Yeah, I mean it was just an extra nice chunk of change. Hey, but you, uh, made, you made like what a hundred and. 110, 115 bucks for a Saturday. 
Yeah. And you do like a Saturday, Sunday. You, yeah. You could you go back. Like, usually it was the Saturday for sure, but you could, but uh, things got, were so bad near the beginning where, yeah, it was both days yeah, but, every but, time. By the time we were done doing that job, it was only Saturdays. Yeah. In fact, we may actually have been so efficient that they kind of didn't yeah, need us anymore because eventually we got phased out. We fucked ourselves. Yeah, we were a little too good. Uh, but little do they know half the time I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. That's true. My P's <laughs> Wait, look like Q's. Is and it called an Eggman closed now? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's our fault again. Was it us? So, yeah, that was, I think that was really the only other job that I had in my teens where I was making. But, yeah, again, it was like once a month and it was, yeah, like an extra yeah, my, my official last part-time job, I call it. Because after that, it was things that I tried to do that I had went to school for and shit like that. So my, I think my last, last part-time job, I would call it, would be when I worked as a bouncer at the college. So the pub, there was a pub and I worked as a bouncer there. I think I would, my, I would call it my last part-time job because it was only, you could only work so many nights a week. This is where our, our like paths veer because you went to become a bouncer at the, the pub. I went to become a library circulation desk person at the school. We were both working at the same school. Yeah. Completely different. Uh, yeah. yeah, I couldn't with. interact. We were there at different times. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. So it, that was really about the, I think the end of it. Like, I mean, I was still doing hockey refereeing through a lot. And the thing is like, folks, a lot of this stuff, like refereeing was like over five years. Oh, I yeah. did it for like five yeah, years, yeah, right? Yeah. You did timekeeping for like four yeah, or five yeah. years, right? So that shit's going on for a little while. And then, You'd float in like Trinity College and float it. And I mean, this was, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if you're, if you or, you know, you got a young person that you're kind of like influential with or a kid or age, something. There's a very much possibility that they, yeah, have, like, they may have kids. <laughs> this is a reality that, that I hope your kids get to experience. And you probably yourself listening to this probably did experience, right? And there's a lot of value. You look back on it and make fun of it. And like my kids laugh, I can't believe it and stuff like that. But I'm like, you know what? There was so many fucking lessons. I learned how to quit a job. I learned how to find a new job. I learned that not having a job is not the end of the world. But on the flip side of things, not having a job, nothing comes for free. So you need to fucking work to get shit. So that was always you there. Said you had to start dealing with, you know, terrible people at a much younger age. Yeah, you had to start understanding that there's a job. Not every one of that jobs be fucking happy. It's not like high school. There isn't a teacher to moderate personalities and drama. You have to manage your a, own time. It's a workplace, and you want you want fucking drama and personalities. You don't have a job. Like fuck it, they don't have time for that. So you learned that value. You learned that an hour is worth so much, um, and it varied many times, but. And you learned what to do in that hour. And yeah, sure, sure. Sometimes you learn how low the bar can be. And you also learn the value of sometimes pushing yourself. And it, it did pay, they reward you because you would get more hours. Maybe you got a raise. Maybe you got a better opportunity. Or you had to do less shit jobs. Yeah. Like there's different reward mechanisms. And so you learn there's different ways to be rewarded with something. It isn't always just what you want. Sometimes people see better things for you and they figure out how to give that to you. And you eventually learn how to understand that. All these little lessons are fucking huge. And so, you know, the part-time gig world, the part-time job world is certainly valuable. I, I feel bad today that a lot of adults balance two or three part-time jobs in some cases because full-time employment sometimes is challenging to find. Mm. So that, I feel bad for that to think if you had to balance two or three of those when you're like 30, 40 years old, I feel for you because balancing those when you were younger was a learning experience and you're certainly glad you're not doing it anymore. Yes. Well, you know, I had a shitty day at work today, but now I feel much better. This has certainly put <laughs> Don't you in use this trick? This is why I think it's really important for teenagers to get a part-time job is that you need something that when your older years come upon you and you're doing jobs that you, first of all, you're doing a job probably you don't even know exist. It might not even exist yet. 
or it may exist. You just don't know it and you end up doing it at some point in your life. But these part-time jobs are really important to think about, to think either A, what you learn from them, or B, you don't want to do that shit again. Yeah. Like <laughs> You learn what you, you're like, you know what? Yeah. No, nah, I'm not compatible with this job. Scooping human shit out of the front of a boat at 9.30 at night so you can make 20 bucks for an eight-hour day is really a good way to get through when I have grown men and women bitching about labor relations and negotiations and all kinds of bullshit because of the amount of money we're dealing with. And I'm thinking to myself going, I've scooped human shit with my bare hand. And then I kind of look at this room and go, none of this is significant. <laughs> so, so you're all whining. <laughs> and I almost want to break the meeting and go, hey, who's done this? <laughs> right? Because they would just make them silent. I could break them all completely. So, yeah. So it's, it's good. Yeah. I, I worry about like if there's those kids that, you know, the fir- their first experience on the job market is like after they're done school. Like that, I can't even yeah, imagine that. Part-time jobs are important. I can't wait. Like, I mean, I'm really excited that I've convinced, I shouldn't say convinced, but we kind of led the path a little bit. And my oldest will be looking at teaching swimming lessons or lifeguarding. She's going down that path right now. She's discovered she does not want to be responsible for other human beings. She refers to it as. She Isn't has, that what lifeguarding would be? No, babysitting. Life, lifeguarding. Lifeguarding, you're like, well, if I do, it's only for a few minutes. Structured environment, <clears throat> structured rules, enforcement of rules, not... Uh, undermining two parents. Gotcha. Right? So like, here's the rule. I'm the boss. You don't like it, get out. Right? And if the parent doesn't like it, tough, get out. So she kind of likes that idea of that rigidity, which is kind of cool. She's tried babysitting once. Hmm. I mean, everyone survived. It's good. She's taking first aid CPR now. She loves it. So that's kind of cool. See where that goes. Um, but certainly I want her, I want both of my kids and I think everybody should try to get their kids to deal with members of the public in a customer service type relationship doesn't always be mass fast food but anything i don't care if it's working at a gas station i don't care if it's serving food i don't care if waiting oh my god i was a waiter totally forgot i was a waiter i was a really shitty waiter where was this the corporate jail oh that's right was that yeah i guess that'd be yeah. high school right yep yeah and the high school going into college i was doing that same time at Tracy. see that's what i mean like it's yeah. just non-stop jobs for you man i was bartending and waiting <laughs> but i was always doing like multiple jobs because you you're working 10 15 hours a week well, that's true yeah, so yeah. you're always trying to amass if I could do 40 hours plus school, which is what I tried to do, um, because weekends, like weekends could be 12 hours, right? So you can pull off 24 hours on a weekend. And if you did that, really finding 16 hours of work through the week wasn't that hard. Wasn't that place haunted? No, it wasn't haunted. I'm pretty sure you but told it, me that basement was haunted. It helped the mystique. It was an old fucking jail. They converted to dining. It freaked the shit out of you. So, oh, and the mystique was you tried to tell people it was haunted. Because then they would think it's a cool experience. It's so haunted, nobody can keep the place open. Yeah, that was more the real problem. Somehow me burning them, and I don't know who I'm burning. But It was a great location. Like today, that location would be amazing. But, and yet, um, still nobody there. I don't know. But yeah, waiting tables. Waiting tables, another example. A wonderful, really important job. And I still tip. Listen, if you're a wait staff or someone you know is wait staff or whatever, listen, all they have to do is not be rude. And I guarantee you, I will tip very, very well. If you are rude... I've been there. You don't need to be rude. Just be neutral. That's all. Like, or at the very least, if you're going to be rude, don't expect a tip. No, know that yeah, like yeah. you're like, look, I'm not going to be able to control myself. Yeah. I know what's coming. Or listen, <laughs> if you want to give me the juicy story about the shitty table across the way, yeah. go for it. I enjoy that. And yeah, in fact, that's I'll, also tip worthy. I'll probably tip you. So, 
like that's you'll probably make more tips that way by the way yeah. um so anyways yeah waiting tables is a good experience all those things are good experiences to deal with customers because you just get a really sense of what people are like and understand that everybody isn't exactly like your family for it's better good. or worse yeah exactly it is good to know that so what a fun trip down memory lane. I'm really curious. I hope that some of our listeners, I mean, Reddit, you already shared one. I hope some other listeners share with us some of their jobs yeah, and remind po- us. Post comments on, on the website or on on Twitter or Instagram, wherever. Just let us know what kind of jobs you had going up. You remember, know? remember our buddy Steve Jones? Yeah. Steve Jones from the band Northern Hearts? Yes. The ultimate Zeller's stock is uh, a salesperson. Yeah, he he worked the men's department at Zeller's, and he had the, the <laughs> and his his, his appearance over the years. Yeah. would transform every so many months because this guy can grow a beard to his waist in like thirty. He had long seconds. hair for a while. He had hair like into his middle of his back. Yeah, yeah. He grew monster. You'd walk around and go, oh my god, they gave a job to a homeless guy because <laughs> you just you wandering through and he'd wander through the section, and he, if he saw you, he would hide from you and startle you. It's fucking. I can't believe he kept that job. By the way, he did have it for quite a while. He's right up there with you in the sense of like, I just don't know why people kept him there. And I think he said that too at one point. But the best part was like, like he could just kind of go in a corner and work, and like it was oh, that was probably hide. the best he part. He could hide right? that yeah. job so well. But he was great. He was great. In that, but his personality is really good too. So like customer service, he had it right. He was a really nice guy. So super- when he chose to actually speak to you, <laughs> <laughs> he also had an appearance on him that most people probably didn't approach him. Like his whole, I think his whole gig was, and I mean, hopefully he listens to this and he can correct me, but I'm pretty sure his whole gig was to make himself in a way where customers wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> it's <laughs> so actually it's, a genius idea. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't rude. He didn't stink or anything. He just looks semi-frightening. It's like, if you're looking at me or you're looking at the next person, I want you to decide the next person seems like the safe bet. Yeah. I'm going to leave you alone. I totally built in the deterrent, but yeah. you can't say what the deterrent is because now you're being rude. It's true. Don't discriminate. <laughs> yeah. Don't discriminate my homeless look. Yeah, so let us know uh, any uh, any of your jobs that you had growing up, uh, teenage years, even maybe before like not, that. Not even just the shitty jobs. Nah, just let us know. What Tell me about the sweet-ass job you yeah, had. let us know what we missed. Everyone thinks about how it was amazing and can't believe you had that job. Yeah, like, I don't know. I see, I, I, I can't even think of one because I don't know what they I were. still think I'm forgetting works. Jobs. I'm sure you were. Yeah. But then the other thing is there's like another 20 jobs you had into your 20s so like that's oh point. i had a lot yeah, that yeah. may be another that yeah. may be a follow-up the jetty craig consultant god i can't believe i did that i was thinking more of like the, the funeral uh, sales yeah yeah <laughs> pre-sales <laughs> i didn't do pre-sales yeah i didn't get the chance to do the the he, ones that were he people. sold the lots and then he murdered you no. yeah no i never even sold a lot i sold one urn <laughs> that was that you know is what? It's certainly depressing. the worst job i ever had I think we should say that. I think we we'll get into we'll get into these jobs. We'll get into our twenties later. The we'll, best, we'll the best that. is the reason the guy hired me. I can't wait to share that because it's the stupidest reason anybody should hire anybody, which should have been the bi- biggest signal for me to not work there. <laughs> I can't even. Yeah, save it. We got we got to save that one for another time because that's going to be awesome. When you get told this in an interview, folks, you should <laughs> not take the job. All right. So clearly, Anyways. we're going to part two uh, this another so, time. You know, hold on, hold on. Current events. Current events. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any good movies lately? We always do this. Or any movies lately? I've been on a plane to no, Calgary I haven't. and back, and I've been to the movie theater. I've seen shit. I my Netflix queue is getting out of control because I I haven't had time to watch okay, anything. Okay, okay. Okay. First of all, first of all, El Camino. Did you see El Camino? No. Oh my god. It's on my list. Next. So. Next. Oh, I can't say anything? No. You're going to wish I did. No, I don't think so. Yeah, you will. Next. Anyway, you will. You'll wish I did. And those that have watched it, I can hear what you're yelling already. Don't worry. I think the same thing. Um. Anyways, 
Uh, what else did we see? Oh, X Men, uh, Dark Phoenix. I haven't seen it. Mm. My, my my wife saw it, mm. but she she likes all of them, even the bad ones. So I can't go by that. Mm. You don't have to surprise me. I saw the box office numbers. I know how it did. What was my that comment to you? I think it was something along the lines of, "I set the bar really low, and it was great to see they achieved it." Because <laughs> it's fair. And I thought to myself, they must have contractually had Michael Fassbender on the hook for his firstborn child to make him be in that movie. Same with James McAvoy. And then James McAvoy, I think, probably got like totally lied to with how much he was going to be in that movie and then how much he was in that movie and he was probably pissed about it. So that's probably, if I remember correctly, isn't that not long after he did, or around the same time he did Split and It, which probably made him feel better about himself because doing Dark Phoenix certainly didn't have him feeling good about himself. Um, you said it. I'm like, mm. I, I did see two. chapter two, but I talked about that in the last episode. So, so anyways, uh, and then I saw remarkably, probably my favorite viewing of the past two months was Godzilla King of the Monsters, which quite frankly was damn good. Like based on the Godzilla monster movie, they, they, they sold it as what exactly it was. It was done great. Cast was good. Cast was really great. They didn't overpower the film. I remember at one point, you're like, well, I just hope they have like five or six monsters. And I think I told you there's like twice that at least. Yeah, and you kind of looked everybody. at me like you didn't believe me. Yeah, everybody. And and they did well. They just kept coming. And they explained the stories well enough to not go too deep, but deep enough. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's really well done, actually, considering like you have to remember the far reaches of the film, right? So uh, special effects were wonderful done on it, not overkill or anything like that. Millie Bobby Brown, I mean, great job. Didn't Wasn't too much of her, but was just enough of her, like... And the stuff that was typical was still enjoyable, even though it was typical. So it was, it was, it was very fun, very fun movie. I enjoyed that. Um, and the monster fight scenes were just fantastic. They were perfectly a transition of old and new. They had that old puppet feel, but with the new CGI. Like it was really cool. I really appreciated that film for it not trying to be anything other than it was, and then doing really, really good at doing that. Yeah, like there, I, there, there was one scene I vividly remember where it's so much like the guys in the suits because it was the two monsters running at the big, each other the and the camera kind of like zooms yeah. right in as they're running at each other. I'm like, that's so, good. so much like the two yeah, guys yeah. in the suit. But Total homage to it, yeah, but yeah. with the CGI. Yeah, 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 totally love that. So that was good. Um, and watched... There's just something else I just watched. Oh, boy. I just... I finished Peaky Blinders. That's not it. This was a film? I went to the theater and saw Maleficent 2 with the kids. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was just yesterday. <laughs> Literally just yesterday. That's why it was too recent. Recency bias. It was too recent. Okay. So, but again, um, I'm not, I, I'm not always, okay. I'm not a guy who says sequels always suck. And I'm not a guy who says, you know, that they can never be good. I'm not also a person who says they're always better. However, there are times. Well, when, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who are you? I am a guy that says this. I don't know you. Uh, anyways, Edge. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, what? Good, bad, ugly? Honestly, like they took for a movie that probably didn't need to exist. I feel like the writers knew crap. We don't really need to do this, but Disney's paying all the money. So let's do this. So, how can we do this that people are actually going to give a crap about the story? And we're not revisiting way too much plot stuff, but we can't disengage from the shit that matters. And they did just that. They took what mattered from the story that needed to be carried through. And they gave us a storyline that made sense on that. Like they didn't go too far reaching with it. Um, brought it together, still gave you the happy ending, which was sensible with some good humor through it, but yet a lot of action, which was pretty impressive actually for that flick. Um, 
and a nice range from all the characters. It wasn't just all Angelina Jolie. It was a lot of the different characters, and it worked out well. And considering it was Michelle Pfeiffer in the opposite female lead, I was hesitant because I'm not always a big fan of hers, but she did, she did pretty good in that job, actually, for that, that role. It worked. It worked. I mean, the kids got up from it. We The kids are getting pretty harsh as being critics now. Um, we get it from that flick and walked away, and I'm like, what do you think? And they go, not necessary, but good. They're happy with it. See, I haven't seen either of them. The first one was actually quite good. I've also... The first one was the best live-action Disney thing I've seen that I what thought is, was... What is the character from? Cinderella? No, no, Sleeping Beauty. See, I, evil, I don't even think I've seen the, that. It's the evil character who turned into a big dragon. But it's the only part I missed was she didn't do the big dragon. But spoilers, and this one she turned into a giant phoenix, which is kind of close enough. Um, but anyways, that was uh, not bad. Of all the live-action ones, like I said, it was the one that... I kind of really wish Disney did, whereas they went down the villain or villain, what's the female villain name? Villainous? Villainous. The villainous path. I kind of wish they went down that for all of them to get their own movies. That would have been so cool because I thought that's where they were going. They gave us Maleficent. And I'm like, oh my God, if they did this for every female thing, like what a neat way to relaunch these stories. From a different point of view, right? And it's the same story from a different perspective. Like what a great, cool idea. You know what it reminds me of? Do you remember the book... You're a little bit older than me, so you may have missed it. There was a book that came out, and it was the Three Little Pigs story, but it was told from the Big, Big Bad Wolf yeah, side. Yeah, story. I, do, I do remember that. Like that idea of, yeah, like, well, That's maybe the clever. villain is just misunderstood, or maybe, you know, or there's even, a different... Don't even try to sell me on it. Just sell it from their perspective. Yeah, yeah. This is the villain. We're taking it from the villain's point of view, the whole story. So we get those little off-camera moments that we know what the heroes are doing, so now we get to know what the villain was doing while they were in their lair while the hero was off doing this quest to get themselves ready to battle the villain. So how the villain wasted their time or how they tried to do something that didn't work out because yeah. in most cases the villain doesn't work out. So give us the story how that shit didn't work out. I mean, the only the only thing I can think of that was pretty good at doing that was He-Man. He-Man gave us equal Skeletor He-Man time. We got to see Skeletor start a plot, fuck it up through the whole show, and then He-Man conquered him at the end. If Skeletor ever clicked something together through the middle of the, the show, he, he always got Skeletor as like his most his weakest point. Yeah, yeah, because it's just, just bad timing. The middle of shit not working, right? Like the, his team would, and he always tried to work on this whole thing of depending on his team, and that's probably where, as a child, we realized to do everything ourselves because he yeah. made did everything himself. So in theory, we realized Skeletor was failing because he tried to make his team work, and his team didn't work very well. That's true. Yeah, so that was the closest thing I could think of as a perspective. Um, I thought the other day, I'm like, that's probably the only villain I could think of that had equal screen time. Um, but needless to say, Disney had a really cool chance there. And they just, they started going down the path. They ended up doing Jungle Book. And I think that steered them back into just regurgitating their content, which was a shame because it would have been so cool with some of those stories coming from the other perspective, right? Speaking of Disney, there's a probably a good chance that our next episode will probably drop, if not after, shortly before Disney Plus comes out. November 12th? Yeah, you getting that? I, I, I'll definitely get... I'll try it for sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm getting it. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to get it. Mandalorian looks so good. Yeah. And the Obi-Wan But then you know what they're doing, it's hey? It's going to be good. It's not dropping... As far as I know, it's not dropping all, all at once. Oh, of course not. Because they're going to try to drag it out, right? So they're like... So those people that just want to get like the 30-day free trial, they're yeah, like, yeah. nope, not no, they'll, they'll stagger it. Yeah. And I, I fully suspect to pay for this for a year. I, yeah. I suspect to go for a year on Disney Plus to see... Give, give it a, in a year all the things I want to see will come out and then I'll see what other content they're going to put on there and then I'll be probably content well with some it. interesting things like I saw today like they're, they're pushing that the Simpsons are going to be on there right yeah. so like that's a big thing for people that want to oh, see like my kids are loving the Simpsons right now yeah. and actually of all the things like 
They've tried to watch Family Guy. Family Guy went off the rails a lot later on and start realizing probably not the best for a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob's Burger, you can question where that edge went. And there's other cartoons like that. that you the did. Simpsons has always kind of had that Simpsons was the best. ceiling. You where could it, do it. They, yeah. knew, they knew where the edge was. They mm-hmm. brushed it and they just held off. And so yeah, that's coming up. I, I look forward to that. The um, the other thing I saw, the social media for Disney Plus, they dropped like every movie that, that was going to be going to be there on like the opening day. And it's full of movies that 90% of people have never seen before. Like old Disney movies from like the 70s and 60s. Their and catalog is so big. Oh, yeah. Because so they were big. probably putting out movies like Well, they used to put stuff once a month. They used to go into like the, the, the Zellers or something like that. There'd be new Disney movies on VHS sitting there on the shelf. Yeah. Why do you even know they're making? Yeah. And probably all that stuff we used to watch on like uh, well, the Magical the, World of Disney or whatever yeah, it was on Sunday the, nights. Uh, the Mickey Mouse cartoons yeah. that you could possibly have there, right? Yeah. Rescue Rangers. I mean, the Rescue Rangers, man. Oh my God! If they had the Disney afternoon stuff like Chippendale and and Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and <gasps> Ducktales and all that stuff, I don't know. I, I kind of gargoyles. Went... Is that Disney? Oh, yes, it is. Man, God, live action gargoyles. Please. Wait, what? <laughs> is anyone listening? Live action gargoyles. <laughs> live action. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, seriously, live action gargoyles. Man, how great would that movie be? It'd be so great, honestly. And they did. Such I think it would really lovely... come down to what the how it looked. If they that... made it look too weird, it might be. It See, might why Gargoyles was so successful was they made it look like Batman the Animated Series I would at have, the same yeah, time. Exactly. And you did not realize they're two separate companies. Yeah. Right. So probably same anime. Because when I was listing those just now, I almost said Batman because I thought it, it, it in yeah. Gargoyles is and very similar. At the same time too, right? Oh yeah. So I lo- but Gargoyles was such a wonderful story. Too. Like I went back and watched that one. I went through a phase where I went back on YouTube and watched Darkwing Duck. I watched Gargoyles. I watched the original Transformers. I watched GI Joe and thought, no wonder half our generation's absolutely brain dead. So I stopped watching GI Joe. But see, Gargoyles, GI Joe was a horrible show. Why did we watch that? Gargoyles is a lot like. Um, it was a long story. Yeah, like it's um, it's like a novel. it's like the X Men cartoon where yeah. where it was serialized almost. Like yeah. you could pop in and out but if you had been watching it consistently the story followed like one arc yeah, each season and there was a whole like there's a whole there was relationships between the characters that matter significant storyline so yeah. yeah it was so well done i really thought that was damn good um but i mean that it would be a awesome live action film like if they're going into their catalog but then again that's what disney plus could potentially be like these things well they're launching that lady in the tramp movie on disney plus so yeah. the idea is obviously there that they're going to start rolling stuff out directly onto the platform now where do they find real gargoyles so? Oh, wait. CGI. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm starting to lose it. We should probably start wrapping up. I do have a couple notes. Just uh, wanted to, uh, what, week, two weeks ago now, I went to EGLX, the video game uh, conference in Toronto. I want to thank, uh, I'm just going to call him Llama, which is his gaming tag. His last name, I will not be able to pronounce. That's uh, my first head name is off the microphone. Yeah. Bang your head. Uh, from Northern Esports Academy and SXD Esports team was able to get me into EGLX, and I got to Did see. Did you even just say words there? <laughs> oh Jesus, are you fading that fast? No, I feel like an old man. You just said a bunch of stuff that I thought I don't understand. All right, well, I got to see uh, Jason Anarchy again. All oh, right, on cool, our hey. buddy. Uh, he is itching to get back on the show. Really? <laughs> the- I mean, sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Look, I mean, there is some of it is that he has a new microphone he wants to test out. <laughs> oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> but that's fair. Uh, I saw Derek from uh, Nomnivore Games. He was there. Uh, he, you want to come back on? Uh, okay, uh, now I get it. Cool. He, I'm good. <laughs> well, he wants... Uh, I, I've told you about that. He wants some involvement from us on 
possibly yeah, a so bad, eh? crossover thing that we got to talk about at some point. Yeah. Uh, and then I we might s- use our audience on that. Ooh, we could take some ideas. We, we could we, do some polls. We could use some help. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have, we've had this and we've gone nowhere with no it. No creative ability. Well, no, we have creative ability, but it's not helpful. No. <laughs> we're going to give it to him and he's going to be embarrassed or we're going to be embarrassed. And you're like, it's, uh, it's this guy and he's got magic. Get out. <laughs> he's got a big stick. Not a straight one. It's kind <sighs> of crooked. <laughs> Just leave. Um, he's got a nail in it. And I did meet, uh, yeah, a couple of new people that we might be able to get on the show uh, at a later date, including the uh, woman who is the manager for the Durham College Esports Arena that started up last year, or this year, I guess, the school year. So There's so much in there. I mean... I, my first question would be like, how, how? Actually, to be fair, she's very well-spoken. I went to her panel on um, collegiate esports, and there was so much of me that's just like, why Why wasn't this a thing when I was a kid? Like, Yeah, jealousy. Straight jealousy. When I was 18, I could have played video games and got a scholarship. What? Yeah, I'm, boo. But then also I was like, huh, you know, this would be interesting for people who have kids around this age. And I was like, doing the math, I'm like, that would be me. If I had had kids when I graduated high school, they would be 18 today. Holy shit. <laughs> Gotta get out of here. You had the moment you're the old guy in the room. Oh, I was the old guy in the room for sure. So, but I think it's a great conversation to have because there's a reality right now where I'm dealing a lot with my colleagues and coworkers who either they have kids or there's people that getting into different careers right now. And this is not, the careers are not what they want to do. They actually are aspiring to try to go into this world of esports. And this is a conversation that is not very clear on how to get there. Yep. Yeah. So it would be worthwhile to probably explore that. Yep. The pitfalls, the challenges, the realities of not everyone makes money and how does it work? And you just... You can't just sit on your couch and play video games. It's actually, but then see the other, the interesting thing about that again, we would get into this when we talk talk to her and and some of the other people uh, that we know through uh, esports. And that is, you know, it's not just playing. There are now jobs in well, you know, you know, you know somebody that does this production for esports. You know, the the video, the just the whole. It's like watching Monday Night Football. If you watch it on like Twitch, there's there's analyst booths, there's there's screens, there's graphics, there's there's a lot of jobs around the business of esports. So Man, I was at, I was on a treadmill in Calgary and the guy beside me on the treadmill was just watching other people play video games. Yeah, it's a thing. I, was, I, I know it's, it's a thing now. We'll talk to somebody about it. Don't yeah, worry. I was looking at it and I'm like, I was looking for like, where's the flashing bar for me to log in for me to play? I'll tell you I what, can't. it does make me want to like, I'm like, yeah, I could watch this. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to go play now. Yeah, I do, I do get that feeling. If I think sure. about watching video games, I go downstairs and put, put hockey on and play hockey. See, I don't get that with sports because I'm like, nah, I can't play sports. <laughs> I can play video games. I'll play NHL sports. <laughs> exactly. Video game sports. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, so yeah, so we, uh, we will definitely get her on. And, uh, again, uh, Lama from SXD wants to talk to us. Okay, about, did, did uh, you, did you see the Saturday Night Live skit this weekend? Yes. <laughs> and that's, I'm sure that's you and somewhat me as oh, well. <laughs> I, if we're going to interview eSport gamers, that is completely good to me. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that shit. Turn around. <laughs> yeah. 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 $7 million. What was that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't see Saturday Night Live the past weekend, which would be the weekend before Halloween, uh, watch it. Great skit on esports and interviewing an esports champion. It was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. it was good. All right, um, I'm going to throw out a few shoutouts because I've been nagged about this uh, again. Future guests, we're going to have on some of the guys from Eight Bit Beans, which is actually now a good time to mention. If you go to DeadlyGroundsCoffee.ca and use the promo code Happy Zen, you can get a discount on your entire order. Uh, but they also have the Eight Bit Beans brand, and Eight Bit Beans does streaming. And those guys, I'm going to shout out to Mitch and Kyle 
And you're going to look at me like a strange person because I'm going to start naming off words that you don't understand. Uh, Narc and Toads and Llama again. And all the guys in the 8-Bit Brood uh, were saying hello. And thank you for listening because they're listeners, Adam. Listeners, before you say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. Listeners. What's on their driver's license? Uh, not oh. those names? Well, Mr. Mitch is probably Mitch, yeah, and Mitch. Kyle's probably Kyle. And Brad's probably Brad. Did you speaking of driver's license and funny names, just really, really quickly, did you know Super Bad is only rated 14A? Canada, man. Yeah. Then you put it on for two minutes and go, how the hell is this 14A? Because I'm sure in America it's not it's probably R. Yeah, hundred percent. I put it on, I pre-watch shit for my kids, yeah. right? So I'm like, put it on and went, huh. I didn't even get but through. But you get to you get to rewatch stuff. I didn't even get them through the opening scene of the convenience store. <laughs> as far as we got. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Be sure to check us out. Happyzen.com. Uh, Happy Zen Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. The Happy Zen Podcast on Facebook. Tell your friends. Share it around. Follow, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Anything you want us to hit us hit up <laughs> in regards to the Zennial generation, something from your childhood, something you wanted to us to see us dig in deeper on or hear our thoughts on, please uh, don't hesitate to share some thoughts. We've got lots of ideas coming for the next few weeks, um, for your episodes, I should say. But we're always uh, on the verge of uh, looking for something new and something different that we'll certainly engage with. If there's somebody you want to hear more about or you'd like to, like to see us try to get them on the show, just let us know. We have no problem reaching out and connecting and trying to connect and... Uh, the world does work in seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's remarkable how easily sometimes it is to connect with people nowadays, except The Rock. Just please don't say The Rock because I've been trying and I'm not getting anywhere. So, But next week, we will have Kevin Bacon. Well, that's easy. It's Kevin Bacon. <laughs> All right. Until seven next degrees time. away. <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. Take it easy. See you.